With a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George, welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, the weather forecast said a chance of showers today. I'm hoping that's true because we could really use some rain. Alan Wishart in the host chair as usual for the Wednesday edition. Steve on the board. And we're going to be talking movies on the radio to start with. Joined right now in studio by Z Helios. Good morning, Z. Hi, Ding. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay. Now, you have just... Is this your first movie, The Vintage Diary? No, no. I have uh, a couple of more movies that I made. I make documentaries and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I work with a lot of uh, actually indigenous cultures and produce stuff uh, for them as well. Okay. So, now this was a Story Hive production. What is Story Hive? Just for people who don't maybe know what Story Hive is. Basically, uh, TELUS has a department called Story Hive. And what they do, they look for community stories and they want to encourage the community filmmakers and empower them to make something beautiful about their community. And it's very beautiful because not all all companies do that. Mm-hmm. Now, how does this work then? Like, do you come up with a basic idea and just present it to them and yeah. then they start from there? Yeah, basically what you have to do, you do you do research mm-hmm. and then you come up with the stories. It depends on which uh, program. They have a lot of programs, actually. Mm-hmm. So the program I applied for was a web series. And, uh, you know, you research, you come up with an idea, and you do a video pitch, you know, and, you know, financials and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then you enter into a competition. And then out of many people, uh, sometimes they use, uh, they choose 10, 20, or 40. It depends uh, mm-hmm. what kind of uh, program uh, they're running at that time. But it's, it's, a, it's a really good experience. I'm very grateful I got the uh, opportunity. Yeah. So was this the first time you had applied to Story Hive? This was actually the second time I applied. Okay. I applied many years ago. Actually. Okay. So, so obviously you, you didn't get it that time. No, I didn't get it. No. It's funny. The other other project, I worked so hard on it. Mm-hmm. This project, I came up with it in 24 hours. And I didn't sleep for 24 hours to, yeah. to come up with it. So the official title of the project is The Vintage Diary Chapter 1, How Love Can Move Mountains. Now, where did you... Where did you get the idea from? Where did you get the script from? We developed a script. I have a, a couple of team members, mm-hmm. and um, the grant required for me to work with a lady, and she was a big part of researching mm-hmm. those stories. So what we did, we looked across uh, Canada, and we read the newspaper, the archive, you know, Prince George Citizen, you know, it was one mm-hmm. of the biggest ones that let us use it, uh, the archive. And then we came up with our own story because I wanted to keep it light and positive and happy. Mm-hmm. So we created a narrative documentary that connects everybody together. And it was the, this is the first episode. Okay. So basically then it's a diary of somebody who doesn't actually exist, but you are drawing on events that happened in the past. Exactly. So, so you, you sent in the pitch with the financials and everything. Story Hive says... Go for it. What happens then? <laughs> what happens then? They give you a schedule, mm-hmm. and then you have to <laughs> adhere to the schedule. And then when you finish the product, you know, then um, you know they put it on their TV and they put it on their uh, YouTube channel. I right. believe it's going on Air, Air Canada also. Mm-hmm. And um, some uh, usually, you know, they um, they if they like your project. They will do the rest of the episodes, but because of the COVID nineteen, you know everything mm. unfortunately kind, kind of yeah. 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 So when you when you got the go ahead, then of course the next problem becomes okay. I've got to find some actors and some crew. 
was that all done locally or did you get people from elsewhere? Some of the footage was shot um, with some of our team members, but uh, most of it, the people and all of that, had to go and look for them one mm-hmm. by one and find them. And, you know, and we had the great opportunity to work with um, Central BC Railway and First Street Museum. Mm-hmm. They allow us to interview people, oh. you know, and, and it was beautiful because if they didn't, you know, it, yeah. it would have been more difficult, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, uh, it was very interesting. A lot of research, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of... Um, a lot of interesting people that we interviewed, and uh, I wanted to be something about the community, something that shows the positive side of Prince George. Yeah. So with the COVID restrictions, did it mean you had to do more thinking about how you were going to shoot things because you couldn't get, like, a big crowd scene? Yeah, so so what happened, I don't know, I got lucky, I shot everything before the COVID. Oh, okay. And then <laughs> after that, then none of the team members were available anymore. So mm-hmm. it was me and my designer that we had to sit and do everything together. So we did from filming, editing, color correction, sound mixing, voiceover, like sound mastering, Mm -hmm. all of it together. And it was like, it was very tough, but you know, I was very determined to finish it. And we find another person who had a studio for the voiceover, Mm. which saved us. You know, his his work saved us because the the voiceover moves the story. Yeah, I don't know how it happened. I would say it's a miracle. Yeah, (laughs) and I guess the other thing was though, you sit down with your designers. You say you start doing that, and I guess when you sat down, you said to each other, "Okay, we can't go back and reshoot any of these scenes. We have to work with the footage we've got and make it work for the movie." Yeah, so it could have been um, much more nicer, but it's already excellent quality. Mm-hmm. But I'm very picky, you know. I wanted to make it even better, but yeah. because you know we were gonna go actually shoot some other stuff, but because of COVID, you know, everything is closed, facilities are closed, yeah. you know, and unfortunately we had to work with what we had, and we did our best with mm-hmm. what we have. So, so, and so I guess the nice thing with because you were doing it as like a diary, the voiceover sort of makes sense because that's like the person reading from their diary, I guess, to some extent. So that's a very easy way to connect things where you might have said, I'd like to go back out and shoot something, but no, we can just do it as a voiceover, talk about what happened. Yeah, yeah. The voiceover, um, like one of the most difficult parts was to connect the voiceover to the stories that yeah. we film. And But, you know, it took a long time to do the voiceover, the script for the voiceover and then the rest of it. Um, I would say the most difficult part was to match the images. Yeah. That was the most difficult mm-hmm. part. So. Yeah, because you're shooting with so many different people in yeah. so many different areas. So what happens now? You were saying it's going to be on TELUS. It's going to be on, you thought, maybe on Air Canada, on some of their yeah. flights and yeah. stuff. So what happens now? Like, is this is this becoming now the second part of the judging, if you will? I, I have no idea what is going on with that, but um, because you know, because they're they're nice enough to you know they give you the full control over the film. Yeah. So I can sell it or do whatever I want with okay. it. Okay. My next plan right now it's uh, once it's uh, aired here, I'm going to pitch it to networks, mm. and then see if they will allow us to do episode. My mm-hmm. second option, which I haven't thought about, maybe I'll start a GoFundMe page or something like that and create mm-hmm. interest around Canada, so we can have you know more episodes and whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah, the next thing is uh, pitching to TV stations, um, you know, history channels, and then, you know, see if they they like it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they sponsor the project, it's going to be beautiful. I can make more about the city because yeah. I really like it here. So. Have you got, have you got like the script or anything drawn up basically for a second chapter? We have um, 
five more episodes. We wow. have the raw, rough idea. Yeah. But it's very fluid, right? Mm-hmm. It depends who is going to sponsor us. The story can change okay. to any place, any town, any country even. Okay. So it's like you can travel <laughs> with the story. But I wanted to be about Canada because I love this country. And then there is a lot of, you know, beautiful thing in this country. And small towns, they have a lot of history that nobody talks about. No. You know? And I don't understand why. You know, people concentrate, tend to concentrate on some negative stuff. While there is so many people that did a lot of good, positive things in the community, you know. And I don't know why we paint everybody with the same brush, you know, that, you know, oh, it's negative and all that stuff. Yeah. And again, in Prince George, I think we're lucky. And you, to some extent, I guess, are lucky as well when you're shooting something that's said in the past because you were saying you've got the Railway and Forest Museum, you've got Hubble Homestead if you need yeah. it, if you need to yeah. shoot something that's actually on an older site. Actually, we did. They let, us, they let us film some of the some of the cottages, actually, is from Hubble Homestead. Okay. They gave me the permission. BC Parks, actually, they let us mm. go and film that's the forest. Right, oh, there was like, so many people helping here, you ah. know. We got a hold of uh, Marilyn Blair, the granddaughter of uh, Mr. Harold Moffat. Mm. You know, Ray Olson, yeah. historian. It was just amazing. I, I, everything came together just perfectly. Couldn't be better, you know. So. Well, again, that's the thing is a lot of people think of Prince George as a big city. But it's a big city that's a small town yeah. still in a lot of ways because everybody knows everybody. Yeah, and everybody, they don't hesitate to help each other. No. That's very important. You don't find this in bigger cities. I mean, you find it, but very, very rarely. Yeah. People are too busy. I'm going to take a wild guess. You went and talked to somebody about something, and they gave you a hand with it. But then they said, oh, you should go and talk to so-and-so. Exactly. And you just kept getting a yeah. wider and wider range of people. Well, so um, so what happened? I went to the um, BC Railway and First Team Museum. Yeah. And uh, Kathy told me to come to um, to one of the, the there's a historian that talks about you know the history mm. of the of the of the railway yeah. city all of that stuff and it was Ray I met Ray right away I got his number and then same thing I, I start looking for other people that yeah. they, they can attribute to the story so, yeah so. Yeah. So how long did it take then from when you got the go-ahead yeah. from Story Hive mm-hmm. to when you finished the project? It took about um, – it was it was supposed to be finished in maybe, let's say, eight months. Mm-hmm. But then the film was supposed to be about 15 minutes, to, so 12 minutes to 10 minutes. But uh-huh. it was so much stories, you know, that I had to – we had to – we decided to make it 20 – Six minutes, <laughs> and then I had some some you know family stuff that happened you know yeah. that I had to take care of and stuff like that. Yeah. So that slowed it down a little bit, yeah. but it was uh, like I have a good team, so we pushed each other very hard to mm-hmm. finish it and make it the best. So it was a little bit later, which tell us was kindly they give me mm-hmm. the deadline of, of the things that happened, yeah. and we came up with a project that was. Um, um, very good. I like I like what came out of it. And I guess tell us probably. With almost all the Story Hive projects that were going on in the last year, year and a half, they realized, okay, the deadlines are going to have mm-hmm. to be kind of fluid because with COVID, people are going to have to work around that. Yeah, they, they give extension to everybody. Mm-hmm. Also, they allow people to film in a different way okay. because they want the creators to, you know, use right. their creativity, you know, to finish it off. So mm-hmm. they give that option, which is, you know, I mean, no company would do that. Usually networks, if you don't give them what they want, yeah. you're in trouble. Yeah. So, again, though, you were lucky to some extent, as you say, because you had all yeah. of your raw footage, if you will, done before yeah. COVID yeah. hit. So then it was yeah. just a, it was just the small matter of patching it all together, doing the voiceover, doing the cuts yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Nothing major at that yeah. point. Yeah. I guess it was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so you were saying you've got five episodes really? already written and everything. Um, the idea is there. Yeah. 
But because we had to change so much on mm. this first episode, yeah. right? It was supposed to be 12 minutes, right? Yeah. So we put a lot of those episodes in it, but now we already have um, designed the ideas for the rest of the episodes. So very fluid, you know, because I want it to be a, I want this, um, I want the community member story to be first. Yeah. And then the story that we're going to add to it, because I think community is first, you know, the, the stories, the, the things that happen, you know, the things they went through and the good things they have done. I want that to be first, stand out. And then the narrative is fluid and it just adds to it. It makes it even more expensive, you could yeah. say. So. so do each of the episodes follow the same person or people or are they going to be tales because what does it say? The Vintage Diary, yeah. well, that sort of leaves it open because chapter one could be Jane Smith's chap story. Chapter two could be Bill Jones's story. So you can, are you looking at having some of the same people from episode to episode or? The way I want um, I want to do it, I mean, we talked about it with my designers, mm-hmm. um, is I want it to be a different story from every different people. Okay. What if we want, we could create the first, first series on one person mm-hmm. and, you know, finish her travels. And then we can, you know, go to different people. But ideally, I want it to be different people because yeah. different people need to have a um, totally different story, right? But then again, this is a narrative fictional. So it's based yeah. on stories of different people. <laughs> so. Now, if you were doing that, if you were having it as different people in the different episodes or chapters, would you look at keeping, say, the same voiceover person, though, so there's at least some continuity that way? Or would you like, or would you look at having a different voice for each episode as well? The voice would change. Yeah, Let's say if, if, it's, if it's a male, you know, it will yeah. change. You know, yeah. if it's a... Mary Smith's chapter yeah. and you got a guy talking over it. got a guy talking over it. doesn't sound good. What is this? Yeah. It's not Mary. No. <laughs> no it, it adds more to it again, yeah. you know, because, you know, again, it's all about different people, right? Mm-hmm. If you do it like that. Even in the, in the movie, we have, we have two narratives. We have a man... And a and a woman. Okay. So you add so much to it because you have dimensions and you know um, different uh, point of views. So. so in the next episodes, are you looking at keeping the same style as much as possible for the for the episodes, or would you look at changing the style and the way you shoot and everything? Depending on a story, mm-hmm. you might change everything. I like okay. to get more. Um, raw footage of the community that's yeah. that's what i want to do mm-hmm. i mean when we shot this it was in the middle of the winter <laughs> it was crazy like i i was droning and uh, for example one part like i'll fall into the stone i went up all the way down to my chest and i just <laughs> my hands was working so yeah, so, yeah we, you know things like that i want to have some summer shots so oh yeah okay so now z the vintage diary chapter one I believe it comes out technically at the end of the month, doesn't it? Yeah, June 29 on Tell Us Story Hive um, YouTube channel and Tell Us Optic TV on demand. And so people can look for that? Yeah, yeah, people can look for it and uh, watch it. The more um, people watch it, we might be able to make uh, maybe yeah. get approved and then do more episodes uh, for Prince George, which I want to continue here. I'm here, so... Yeah. Z Helios, The Vintage Diary, Chapter 1, How Love Can Move Mountains. Hopefully, we will be interviewing you in the near future about Chapter 2. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure talking to you, and I hope everybody in the city has a fantastic day. Thank you. Take a break. Be back with more after 9.
Hi, I'm Timmy, the host of the daily feature, The Onstage Spotlight, your way of keeping informed about performers and performances happening throughout the Prince George area. I'll be highlighting artists from all musical genres, both local and from around the world. I'll be featuring not only their music, but concert details and interesting insights into the music industry. So join me weekdays at 8.30, 11.30, and 3.30, Saturdays at 9.30 and 12.30, and Sundays at 12.30. That's The Onstage Spotlight, only on CFIS FM 93.1. Since the BC Schizophrenia Society's podcast, Look Again, Mental Illness Reexamined, launched, it's been full steam ahead. With a new episode released every two weeks, the podcast has been bringing attention to some new and old issues relevant to people affected by schizophrenia. Helping challenge the misinformation surrounding the serious mental illness, check out current and past editions of Look Again, Mental Illness Reexamined through the podcast link under education at bcss.org. The BC Schizophrenia Society, a reason to hope, the means to cope. June is Brain Injury Awareness Month, and the Prince George Brain Injured Group's 2021 Awareness Parade is Friday. The parade will be leaving from the CN Centre parking lot at 1 for a loop through the downtown. The route will travel Oswego Boulevard to 5th Avenue, to Victoria Street, to 15th and back to CN Centre. When decorating, parade participants asked to think blue, the Brain Injury Awareness Month color. The Brain Injured Group's 2021 Awareness Parade, Friday at 1 from CN Centre. Forecast from Environment Canada. Cloudy today with a 40% chance of showers and a high of 20. Clearing late this evening, a low of 9. For Thursday, a mix of sun and cloud. Wind from the southwest at 20 in the afternoon. A high of 22 with a very high UV index. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. And on the phone now with a familiar voice to followers of the show, Norm Coyne. I guess you're into that really slack period now, right, Norm? Uh, the way that the heart has finished shooting, so now it's the easy part of just putting it all together. Yeah, that's the easy part. Yeah, for sure. I mean... It, I mean, it's obviously the hardest part is the actual filming. Yeah. Um, but uh, post production is not that easy either, man. I know. There's I know. A lot of stuff we got to do and take care of, and and all that kind of business. Yeah. So now, how long was the shoot? Because this is what this is the second movie in what about three months? That yeah, that's you guys have yeah, shot, shot uh, Great North Christmas in uh, March. Yeah. March to April, yeah, and then we shot. Um, it was a fourteen-day shoot, so three weeks, yeah, um, from May to June. So, wow, yeah, pretty crazy. And the one thing I noticed that was different between the two of them was we didn't have any snow trucked in in front of our building here for this one. <laughs> no, no, not for this one. This one, though, there was. Uh, um, it had it possessed its own uh, little challenges. Um, weather is always kind of like can be your friend and mm-hmm. not be your friend. And uh, for this one, we actually our sunny day shoot. We were on like a stretch of like sunny days, yeah. and the one day that we were filming, um, it was like a big um, farmers market scene. Uh-huh. It was raining off and on. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> So that, it is. so that was the equivalent then of that night that you had down at uh, Clayton Park for uh, Great North Christmas, where yeah, the wind just yeah. came up like crazy. Yeah, not that bad. That was no, crazy. I know. So, so obviously then, the way to the heart, you must have been working on this one even before you started shooting the Great North Christmas. So, no funny story. Um, Sarah Shack actually came up with this idea, mm-hmm. 
I mean, it, it had been, you know, like percolating for yeah. a little while, but um, she basically, like, it. she decided to move ahead with it on the set of Great North Christmas, and then <laughs> she had the, uh, the script in her hands, like, inside of, like, I don't know, like a month, six weeks. Um, pretty, pretty interesting to see how fast the, the, uh, industry can move, right? Like that's, she said that she's like, oh, this is nothing, you know, mm. like you, you watch it, like if somebody wants to get something made and they've got the resources and the talent, uh, I mean, it happens really quickly, right? Yeah. So again, though, it must've been pretty tough, like a getting the script together that quickly, but also then, unless she already had some ideas for who some of the people were she wanted for the cast, casting the film that quickly yeah i mean the casting actually does happen fairly quickly Mm -hmm. i mean it can anyways right you get people to read and from that week to the next potentially you could you could have um you know your stars confirmed um with uh i know for sure the one uh male lead they'd looked at him before Mm -hmm. and uh and with uh megan heffern who's the who's this the star of it i would say yeah um uh she was on their radar because she's she's very much like you know creme de la creme of of you know rom-coms mm-hmm. currently in this space <laughs> and then i guess the hardest role to fill was for the uh the food expert at the uh, farmer's market <laughs> <laughs> well, he was a food expert in like many, many scenes. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, that's that's our old buddy Bob Bloomer. He he was uh, chomping at the bit to yeah. to be a part of it. So. And then he also gave you the opportunity to have a culinary consultant. I think you called him as well. Yeah, that's yeah, that's Bob. <laughs> Super fun, right? Yeah. And, but and that was his first time acting. Wow. And um, honestly, acting against like really, really, like, super, like, kind of pros in the space. Mm. And he totally held his own. I was super proud of him. Again, I guess the one thing that helped was he was, was he to some extent playing himself? No. Okay. Uh, I mean, like, the character was written kind of with him in mind. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, his character in the film is like someone, like, he's a fellow who loves food. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is... Uh, he owns a car dealership, right? <laughs> so he's like, yeah. So, I mean, there's a spirit of Bob, but he also yeah. had to kind of... And, and honestly, like, there's some scenes in the movie um, that uh, Bob has one scene with his son, who's played by John Corr, mm-hmm. um, where it's like, it's a pretty powerful emotional scene. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like, it was, it was super impressive to watch Bob take it on and, and really own it. So to some extent... Did he almost have to dumb down his character, if you will, in some of the scenes? Because oh, Bob definitely. obviously knows everything about food, basically, and obviously his character doesn't. Yeah, well, I mean, his character is a food lover. Yeah, right. So he's the he's the the spirit that basically, um, you know, ignites the passion in in our female lead mm-hmm. uh, Megan, who then becomes this, uh, you know, like star chef. Um, but. Uh, so, I mean, like, the spirit's still there, but, yeah, obviously, I mean, Bob is, uh, like, yeah, he is, he knows, man, that guy has, like, a, a ridiculous amount of knowledge about food. It's crazy. So, I'm just going to take a wild guess. As the culinary consultant, was he using a lot of stuff from the local farmer's market? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there was, like, a, a, it actually became sort of an element of the film. 
um, the focus on foraging. Mm. So was that something, was he able to do any of that sort of ahead of time, or did he do that when he got here in terms of talking to the people from the farmer's market and everything and learning who had what and what he could use? A bit of both. Mm -hmm. Um, Bob actually had to, um, the first thing that he had to do when he came here was he had to isolate uh, Mm. in quarantine for like 11 days or 12 days or whatever it was. Um, But we we set him up um, at a cabin thanks to Clint Dahl, Mm. who is uh, a local fabulous realtor. Um, Clint donated his cabin so that Bob could actually stay on Klukas Lake. Uh, for his quarantine, and he loved it. He said it was like one of the best experiences he's ever had in his life. So instead of being stuck in an apartment in Prince George for 11 days and not being able to go out at all, he got to be out at Klukas Lake, enjoy the scenery. Yeah. Uh, and you guys are all sitting yeah. in town going, why can't I be self-isolating? Yeah, he said he said he didn't want his quarantine to end. Oh, and you were kind of saying, no, 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 Bob, you can't do the scenes from out there, though. You have to do yeah. them in here. Yeah, back to work, Bob. Yeah, okay. Norm, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about the way to the heart after that. buddy. Minds in Motion is a weekly program provided online for people experiencing early symptoms of dementia and their care partners. Each session has a 30-minute fitness video followed by 45 minutes of social time. Sessions are offered Tuesday through Thursday from 10 to 11.30, as well as Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from 1 to 2.30. For more information or to register, call the First Link Dementia Helpline at 1-800-936-6033 or email info.helpline at alzheimerbc.org. St. Michael and All Angels Anglican Church in downtown Prince George has launched the largest capital campaign in their 55-year history. The Raise the Roof campaign will run into the fall in an effort to raise $400,000 for much-needed church repairs. For more information and to donate, go to their website, stmichaelspg.ca, or visit the church office at 1505 Fifth Avenue. The St. Mike's Raise the Roof capital campaign, on now through August at stmichaels.ca. Employers are now able to apply online to the B.C. government's COVID-19 paid sick leave reimbursement program. Through this program, employers can reimburse for up to three days of wages paid to workers for COVID-19-related sick leave. To apply, you must be signed up to the WorkSafe BC online services and not have an existing paid sick leave program. Full details are available at WorkSafeBC.com. More information about the program is available on the BC government COVID-19 paid sick leave reimbursement program webpage. Life Sciences BC invites you to the McCarthy Spotlight Speaking Series, How Digital Health is Transforming Healthcare. Learn how innovation is facilitating a transformation of healthcare delivery with better health outcomes by integrating healthcare systems, eliminating geographical barriers, and providing advancements in artificial intelligence and precision medicine. Life Sciences BC's McCarthy Spotlight Series, How Digital Health is Transforming Healthcare, Thursday from 4 to 5.30. Registration is free through lifesciencesbc.ca. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. So, Norm, with the weight of the heart coming so quickly after Great North Christmas, did you have a lot of the same people working on the cruise for both shoots? Uh, yeah, we did, but the um, primarily because um, like 95% of the, the crew on the, um, on the film our locals, mm-hmm. right? So, um, I mean, we've got a couple of a couple of folks that that we kind of brought in, but I mean, like the the objective behind this entire 
you know, initiative is to build, you know, local, yeah. local film industry, right? So, um, but yeah, I mean, for most everything I do, I use the same people. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you add on to that as there's more opportunities and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, it's like pretty inspiring to see too, the people are leveling up, right? Like, um, my one guy, uh, he, he's been my, my camera guy since day one, mm-hmm. right? He's been on every project I've ever done. And for this, for this film, he moved into the director of photography role and, and he killed it. He like absolutely murdered it. Like the director was like, I just want to take him on everything that I do yeah. now. So now I'm guessing a lot of those people though, didn't expect to be back at work so quickly after a great North Christmas. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> they're all super excited to, to do it. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's good. Now, is there anything else in the pipeline that you can talk about? Because with COVID ending, I'm thinking there might be more movies coming down the road. Uh, well, yeah, there's, uh, there's definitely some announcements that'll come, you know, over the next little bit, um, for the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, there is um, a smaller, but I think very um, substantial and significant project that uh, we'll be talking about potentially. Right now, I know that they're trying to work out the dates uh, to that mm-hmm. to shoot in August. Um, but uh, and honestly, like for that project in particular, um, it's it's it'll be working with someone that I actually tried to pay to work with me in 2019. Wow! So. Pretty inspiring that, or pretty amazing that she's now like wants to see what Prince George is all about. So, and we're going to show it to her in August, where hopefully we won't have windstorms flattening everything in sight. Yeah, so that one actually would be it. Would it's more of like a thriller style, huh? and it's a lot inside a, a single location. So, like wind and rain and all that kind of crap would be amazing. Actually, it would it would lend to it. Okay, so you but now, that's, that's the time when it won't actually say, rain. You, you've now guaranteed <laughs> that we will have plus thirty temperatures for that entire that's stretch right. with yeah. no rain, no clouds, no nothing. Yeah. Now, some people would be thanking you for that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, you're so, welcome, everyone. Yeah. So what is the schedule now for The Way to the Heart? Because I know Great North Christmas is, I believe, November release date still? Uh, yeah, sometime in, in the Christmas season, for yeah. sure. Um, that's like, right now, I mean, like, it's uh, it's going to be actually um, our um, um, distribution partners stateside are actually um, including it in their films that they're um, bringing to market at, at the Cannes Film Festival. So yeah. that's kind of like crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not like we're screening as part of like the Cannes Film Festival, no, but it's but... being it's being like marketed there. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. Um, for the weight of the heart, um, we'll be editing it all the way through August. Mm-hmm. Um, where it goes from there, uh, it's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, so. I mean, it could it could be as uh, it could be as early maybe as the fall, but it most likely is probably going to be the spring of 2022. Yeah, and yeah. again, that again is the timing thing because it's based at a farmer's market. It's not a film that you want coming out around Christmas time because it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, exactly. So in the spring would be good timing, 
And it sounds like if you're working on this one right up until August, from what you were saying earlier, that means that you're going to make the last cut on this film, and the next day you're out shooting the next film. That's probably probably pretty accurate, yeah. Or even the same day. Yeah, that's right. So this 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 film, though, the one you're seeing in August, though, at least you're probably thinking to yourself, and some of your crew are as well, at least we've got a little bit more time to prepare for this one, rather than yeah. three weeks. One would hope, but you never know what's uh, going to pop up. No. Now, with COVID coming to an end, are you already getting the sense that there is more interest in getting movies going again? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, honestly, like Vancouver never stopped. No. Right? And part of the reason why we're having interest from that one filmmaker that I mentioned that is potentially shooting in August, um, she she's based in Vancouver and she's like this idea I can't do it in Vancouver because it's way too expensive. Oh, okay. so so her like for skilled um, filmmakers and tradesmen in in the space in Vancouver it's a thousand dollars a day. Yeah, uh, here that's you know between say three to five hundred. So I mean right there you're saving like like half yeah money there right and and then as far as like uh, locations. People in Prince George are, are pretty giving with, like, they want, they want to see things happening, and they've been donating locations. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, for, for Vancouver, you're looking at between three to $5,000, you know, like, for location, right? So, yeah. so just everything about Prince George makes it more attractive for movie makers. I've always thought it's been attractive. Yes. Now... It, so this one's a thriller. So we've had then what? We've had a Christmas... Rom com, yeah. We've had a farmers market rom com, and now we're going to get a thriller. At what point does yeah. the next Star Wars movie shoot here? Mm. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> oh, okay. He's not saying anything. Okay. <laughs> He's admired in mystery. Yes, that would be another thing. Okay, now this is a thriller. You were saying. Are you allowed to say, like, is it a mystery-type thriller, or is it just, like... A no, pers- it's, more, it's more like horror. Oh. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. That'll be a little bit different. Now, horror is something you have... You sort of dabbled in that, haven't you, I think, in the past? Uh, yeah, we we dipped our beak in that, for yeah. sure. That's kind of where we started, was kind of grindhouse horror... Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, those are, as far as, like, from a filmmaking perspective, it's, like, um, those are just super fun to do, yeah. right? Like, um, and it's, like, it, it, it's it, you can see a reaction um, pretty quickly and easily mm-hmm. if you've got, like, a good little bit of horror, right? Yeah. Like, people will be like, ah, or ooh, gross. <laughs> yeah, and if people start laughing at the wrong time, you're going, okay, that didn't work. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's interesting because, like, uh, on the way to the heart, um, I'm, I look at it and I'm like, like, people will cry mm-hmm. in that movie. They're going to yeah. cry. And, and I mean, like, that is, to me, I mean, like, those are the hardest things to do is make someone laugh, make someone cry. Yeah. Right? I mean, well, not for a guy like me. I can make people laugh all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't, too. I just show up and look at them. People start laughing. Well, that's what you make them cry. Oh. Thank you, Norm. I think on that note, Norm, (laughs) as always, great to talk with you, Norm. And it sounds like we may be talking again in August. That sounds good, buddy. Okay. Thanks very much, Norm. 
take another quick break and be back with more after nine. What does aging and living well mean to you? Share your perspectives about what aging and living well looks like and could look like for two SLGBTQI communities in Canada and how communities could be better supported. Everyone who's 65 or older identifies as two SLGBTQI and is willing to participate in a telephone or video interview is invited to participate in the National Senior Study. For more information or to take part, click through the National Senior Study link under eGale in Action at egale.ca. The Center for Interdisciplinary Research and Collaboration in Autism at UBC has launched a new self-paced online program designed to assist employers, co-workers, and anyone interested in inclusive employment to learn practical strategies on how to support all employees to be successful on the job. The program consists of five modules, all of which have been vetted by autistic employees. For more information or to view the modules, visit circa.educ.ubc.ca. The Alzheimer's Society of BC is continuing their series of online webinars. Everyone is encouraged to learn more about dementia and its stark impact on Canadians through their website, alzbc.org. While there, you can also register for their free webinars or watch previous presentations. The next webinar is Lived Experience, Strategies I Wish I'd Known, Thursday morning from 10 to 11. The Alzheimer's Society of BC, bringing you support and information about dementia at ALZBC.org. LZBC.org. Forecast from Environment Canada. Cloudy today with a 40% chance of showers and a high of 20. Clearing late this evening, a low of 9. For Thursday, a mix of sun and cloud. Wind from the southwest at 20 in the afternoon. A high of 22 with a very high UV index. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. In studio now with a fellow who sort of in between roles, if you will, but with the same group, he is still, I guess, officially the director of sport tourism for Tourism PG. But in what a month or a week, you become the CEO, Colin Carson. Well, I guess congratulations, first of all, on becoming the CEO. Yeah, thanks, Alan. Now, I should warn you: the previous CEO, Tracy McBride, I did an interview with her about a month ago, and the next day she resigned. So I'm just warning you. I don't. Th- I don't think it was the result of the interview, but I, it always worries me that sort of thing. I'll take my chances. Okay, good. <laughs> so, was this something? It obviously it wasn't like a rush job, but it was something where Tourism PG obviously wanted to fill the CEO's role as quickly as possible. So, did you sort of volunteer, or were you volunteered? Yeah, no. So, I mean, obviously, it's 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 too bad that Tracy um, yeah. stepped down with tourism, Prince George. I think uh, you know, COVID made people reevaluate their lives in certain ways, mm-hmm. and I think that this is uh, you know, it's something where she had to put her family first, and obviously, yeah. that's you have to do that. So, um, this opportunity kind of rose, and and yeah, I I mean, I I, I volunteered, and, and I think our board of directors wanted to you know get through the process relatively quickly and, mm-hmm. and get someone in place, um, especially as things are reopening right now. Yeah. Um, but I know they did a full search and uh, I was fortunate enough to be selected. Wow. So now are you going to continue in the role as director of sport tourism 
as well as CEO for at least a little while? Yeah, for a little while. I mean, mm-hmm. we've, uh, the, the team at Tourism Prince George and myself now, as, as we kind of move into this, we're looking at budgets and seeing what we can do to kind of fill some of the holes. Um, we are a little bit short staffed now, so mm-hmm. I think that that's something we will look to build up the team, hopefully sooner rather than later, but, uh, definitely something I'll be looking after short term. Yeah, because again, the timing on this was interesting for you coming in just as things are starting to loosen up. And so all of a sudden you're going from, okay, well, we can't do this. We can't do that. We can't can't do this to all of a sudden, okay, we can maybe do this. So what is the planning looking like over at Tourism PG right now for the summer? Yeah. So, I mean, the summers, obviously these restrictions are, are great and mm-hmm. the industry, the tourism industry has been hit so hard. Yeah. So um, really we're happy that these uh, restrictions are being lifted right now. Um, I think right now we've just switched our marketing to focus on that provincial. Mm-hmm. We were down to just regional following the restrictions. So now we can start promoting to those people on Vancouver Island and in the lower mainland. So, you know, for the summer, that's really what we're focusing on is, is just those BC travel. Travelers. Mm-hmm. If things change and we're able to promote to the rest of Canada, then that's great. But uh, right now we're, th- we're thinking just BC for the summer. Okay, because I noticed, um, I guess yesterday, Coastal Mountain Airlines announced more flights from Edmonton to Prince George. So would that be something you'd be sort of keeping an eye on and saying, okay, can we maybe start advertising again in Edmonton. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a, a big city that I oh. think a lot of those people are looking for these outdoor activities that Prince George does offer. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's definitely a, a partnership we're looking at and that's a market we're, we're going to look at promoting in the future for sure. So is there any sort of focus on the marketing then for the summer with, as you say, you're now able to go province-wide, are you going to be focusing still on the outdoors opportunities in Prince George, knowing that some people who are maybe coming up from Vancouver just want to get away from people as much as anything? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think that we're, we're seeing some research sort of trickle in that people are, are going to be a little hesitant to get into big groups and mm-hmm. to get into crowded spaces right off the bat. So again, Prince George, uh, we all have an opportunity here to kind of promote our outdoor spaces, the space we do have. So I, I definitely think that's what you'll see from our marketing material uh, for the summer. Because I'm trying to remember what the number was, but I think I read somewhere that within a 50-mile or 100-mile radius of Prince George, you could fish at a different lake every day of the year and never fish at the same one twice. Yeah, so the stat that we use at Tourism Prince George mm-hmm. is uh, 1,600 lakes, rivers, and creeks within a 100-kilometer radius. So wow. it's just, I mean, tons of outdoor opportunities. Yeah, and that's not even counting places like Forest for the World, where, again, you're going to be fairly, well, maybe not lonesome, but you will be fairly isolated up there most of the time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Prince George has a great trail system. Mm-hmm. Um, the city of Prince George does a really good job maintaining their trails. The regional district has their trails just outside. And then obviously BC Parks is another huge partner in that. So we're, we're really fortunate with the all the recreation we do have. Yeah. Now, with Tourism PG, do you guys work, even though it's outside Prince George, do you work with places like Hubble Homestead? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, I mean, our general rule of thumb is if they're if visitors are coming and they're going to be staying in Prince George, mm. um, but still going to one of those attractions, then we want to be involved with that. Yeah. So, you know, Ancient Forest to the East is another good yes. example. Um, we work really closely with the Clayton Tenay um, on that mm-hmm. uh, specific provincial park, and uh, you know, making sure that w- we promote that. But uh, you know, hope those yeah. people stay in Prince George as well. Well, because the nice thing is with both of those locations, Hubble Homestead and the Ancient Forest. 
there really isn't anywhere to stay in either of those locations. You pretty well have to stay in Prince George. Yeah, so I, I guess the Ancient Forest, I think, is a little bit closer to McBride than Prince George, but, but um, I think they try to claim it as theirs. We try to claim yeah. it as ours a little bit, but uh, but really, I think that's just a phenomenal uh, a place that anyone should see no matter where they're staying. So. so it's not quite on the same scale, though, as I know years ago, I think it was Tejan Cash, where they've got the sign that you can either go to Prince George or Kamloops. I know years ago there was like an annual competition between the two cities to determine which one would be listed first on the side. I haven't heard of that recently. I think they just left it as it is. But I know that was – it was a bizarre thing and yet it sort of made sense because, you know, if somebody's coming – well, the odds are when they get to Tejon Cash, the odds are they know if they're going to go to Prince George or Kamloops. They're not going to change their mind based on which name is first. But yeah, it's kind of fun. That's that's not something that we uh, we look at really. But uh, obviously mm. Prince George has a natural rivalry with Kamloops. Oh. So, uh, I mean, go Cougars. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I think that that <laughs> makes sense for sure. Now – you saying go Cougars, is that something where, again, you will be working possibly with the Cougars and even the Spruce Kings to some extent in terms of saying, let's advertise in some of the out-of-town places where their team, where their competition's coming from? Because especially if, again, I think this year, both of them might be holding double headers. So, again, you might be able to get somebody to come up for the full weekend yeah, absolutely. I mean, great opportunity to come to Prince George for weekend and take yeah. in some some high quality hockey. So I think yeah. that that's definitely something in the region we can we can work at promoting. And and in the past we've worked with the Spruce Kings and the Cougars mm-hmm. to to you know help market and maybe create some packages with hotels or restaurants, things of that nature. So definitely something on our radar. Okay, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we're we're going to shift from talking with Colin about being the new CEO in a week to something that's more along the lines of the sport tourism thing. After nine. If you still need to receive a COVID-19 vaccine but don't have access to a computer to register, you can do so by phone. A provincial call center is available for those needing assistance to book or those who don't have a personal health number. You will need to provide your name, date of birth, postal code, personal health number if you have one, and contact information for you or a support person. The provincial call center number is 1-833-838-2323. That's 1-833-838-2323. Once again this year, youths 15 and younger are invited to take part in the Summer Fishing Challenge. Designed to encourage enjoyment of freshwater fishing, the first 1,000 youth who record at least five fishing trips are eligible to win a fishing tackle kit. Additional prizes are available for other achievements. Sign up to learn more about the sport with the Virtual Learn to Fish programs and find full details on the Summer Fishing Challenge at GoFishBC.com. The Knowledge Garden at the Prince George Public Library is now open for the season. The garden is located next to the Bob Harkins branch of the library downtown and features benches and a picnic site. It also has a small amphitheater where library staff conduct many outdoor programs and it's a great place to enjoy your lunch in the beautiful surroundings. That's the Knowledge Garden at the Prince George Public Library, now open next to the Bob Harkins branch downtown. Young people living with mental illness can apply for up to $2,000 to pursue their educational goals with the Yes To Me scholarship program. Developed in part by the BC Schizophrenia Society, Yes To Me helps students with schizophrenia cover funds for accredited programs such as high school equivalency, trade and vocational certifications, and bachelor and graduate degrees. Full details are available through the support link at bcss.org. The Yes To Me scholarship program from the BC Schizophrenia Society. Fall semester application deadline is August the 1st. 
It's After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. So, Colin, something that you were probably involved with to start with as a sport, as director of sport tourism at Tourism PG, and now, of course, you're involved with in that role and as the CEO, council, city council last week, approving the funding. Well, I guess approving the funding again for the 2022 World Women's Curling Championship and also approving funding for the 2024 Parabiathlon and Paranordic World Championships out at Otway. Those are a couple of big events coming to Prince George. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tourism Prince George is, is extremely excited mm-hmm. for those events. Um, you know, we've been working with those groups in the past, so I think that, uh, you know, to see those events come back, and, and obviously it was so unfortunate that curling was cancelled just two days before it was scheduled yeah. to start. So having the opportunity to bring that event back, we're, we're really excited about that possibility, and, and same goes for the, the group out at Otway. They did a fantastic job in 2019 hosting the World Paranordic Skiing Championship, mm-hmm. so I mean, essentially the same event we're looking at in 2024, but if that comes back, we're uh, we're really happy. Yeah, and again, there's one of those things, again, where event like this, especially the world, the parabiathlon part, may not be coming to Prince George if we hadn't gotten the 2015 Canada Winter Games and were able to construct the new biathlon shooting range. Yeah, absolutely. Those, those events like that um the legacy is something that people mm-hmm. don't really consider but it's it's a legacy in terms of hosting events again in the future but it's also just a great community legacy where mm-hmm. now we have that biathlon facility so young athletes can learn on a proper range mm-hmm. also the snowmaking upgrades from the 2019 world paranordics like that's great for event hosting but at the end of the day that allows the community to ski longer in the season so it's it's just great benefit for prince george yeah and again over at cn center which is where the world women's curling championship will be um cn center itself i don't think really had that much change in the 2015 winter games did it? i think it was pretty much set i think there were some mine i want to say there were some changes in the change rooms or stuff like that yeah but that I, was I, about it i'm not too sure obviously yeah. if we're looking at that facility in that area oh. uh kin one was the well, huge yes. upgrade for from Canada oh. winter games and and that now allows us to host some great events in that arena as well yeah. so. because the other thing is it means that even while the world women's curling is underway like obviously the cougars will be out of town but the caribou cougars and in groups like that can still hold their games on a full ice surface at kin one yeah so the interesting thing about the world women's curling championships um if it if it looks similar and if and if it does mm-hmm. come back in 2022 um what we saw in 2020 was they're actually going to hold their beer gardens in kin right. one so the yeah. the patch they call it for yeah. for these curling events that was going to take place in kin one so we're talking you know a couple thousand square feet of beer gardens <laughs> yeah. adjacent to the arena so that's a, a pretty cool opportunity unfortunately it does di- displace some of those other yeah. groups a little bit um but that being said we do have other rinks in the community that yep. they can uh, obviously use during that time. Yeah, the Spruce Kings are the team that doesn't really get affected at all because they just use rolling concrete arena still. Yeah. And they may even get a little bit of overflow from uh, snow sports fans, if you're a winter sports fans, who their team isn't curling that night. And they say, well, that Let's just go down and watch a hockey game. Yeah, for sure, and and that's something that it's it's tough for us to track when we're talking about these events because we you know we talk with Curling Canada and we see the impact on that event, but the spillover is huge. Whether it's at restaurants, you know, through the hotels that we do track, um, but there's those other things that they're taking part in that we don't even necessarily aren't able to capture all the time. So those events truly are powerful economic drivers. And now, from the way you were speaking. My understanding was the 2022 World Women's Curling Championship was 
almost certainly coming back to Prince George. I think that was almost the guarantee, if you will, that the Canadian Curling Federation and even the World Group basically said when we lost it, as you say, at the last minute in 2020, was first chance we get, it's coming back here. Yeah, I think they definitely want to work with with mm-hmm. Prince George because we were so close and and it was shaping up to be a, a pretty good event oh, in yeah. terms of ticket sales. Uh, from what I understand, is is Curling Canada and the World Curling Federation were quite happy. So I think that this funding from the city that was approved on June fourteenth that was definitely a big hurdle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's not confirmed yet for twenty twenty two, but I think we're we're getting close at this point. Yeah. So and now that funding, we should just point out that funding from the city is basically just replacing funding they had already provided for the 2020 event obviously wasn't used because the 2020 event didn't happen. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Um, I, I believe there were some sunk costs from 2020 yeah, getting the arena set up and things of that nature, but I, I'm pretty sure that you are correct in that assumption. Yeah. So the big one they're doing that they did last week then was uh, providing funding for the Parabiathlon and Paranordic events. And again, this is a world event. And as you said, they've had World Cup events out there before at Otway. And to me, the biggest challenge out there, and this is something obviously they would have to worry about, parking is a nightmare at Otway at times. Yeah, and, and it's tough. That's something that they definitely work on. And for events like this where they have the wax cabins that they need for mm. the athletes, and yeah. that actually takes up some of the parking as well. Yeah. So um, definitely is an issue. I know for the 2019 event, they had a shuttle organized with mm-hmm. the city, so went from the Aquatic Center out to Otway. So I'm hopeful that they're looking at something like that again for 2024 um, because I think that definitely helps oh, yeah. some of that challenge. I want to say they may have even done that in 2015. I think they may have had, I think they may have had some parking areas, but they were all basically for like the officials and like you know coaches and people like that who didn't who had to have vehicles out there. Yeah, that that, that sounds right. I know that yeah. uh, that transportation out there can be an issue, but I think they've done a really good job addressing that in the past. Yeah, and I mean the facility itself is incredible, and they were one of the ones who were kind of well, if anybody could be said to be lucky this past year, they were because again. Cross-country skiing is very much a solitary or a small group event, so they were able to just keep their, keep a lot of their trails open and stay open and keep things going. Yeah, that's uh, that's a very good point. I know I, I'm a member out there, and mm-hmm. I know we were. Uh, I was chatting with someone else um, out there, and they mentioned that this was their biggest year ever in terms yeah. of membership. And I think they might have been the second or or maybe even first biggest club in in all of Canada <laughs> for registration. So I think that uh, you know it's it's. A wonders, I mean, obviously unfortunate year, but I think that they were able to capitalize on it a little bit. Well, because it's so close to, it's so close to the city, it's very easy to get out to. And I know, um, I've got relatives out in my worth, and we went out and visited them a few times over the winter, and it seemed like every time we went by, that parking lot was packed, even with no events going on, just from people being out there. Yeah, I mean, it truly is a world-class facility, yeah. and to have something like that so close to the city center is is truly unbelievable, and I think that's something that, as a, as a Prince Georgian myself, <laughs> I don't necessarily uh, take full advantage of all the time, so, uh, you know, it, it's really great to see that facility getting used. And I guess, going back to the 2022 World Curling, I'm guessing the nice thing for that, because that's less than a week, year away, really. But again, a lot of their people and everything are probably still in place from last year where it didn't happen. And it's just, okay, take two. 
Yeah, exactly. I think that's a, it's a opportunity for for the organizers to kind of look at that and hopefully see that they you know can lighten their workload a little bit by doing that. So I, again, I think that's an advantage Prince George does have in in making sure we get this event back. Yeah. And again, the other thing was, as you say, it was canceled two days before it was supposed to start. But if the organizers had been looking at that. And just in those last couple of days, even they were saying, oh, we've got a bit of a problem here. Well, now they can work around that and just make it that much smoother going into next year's event. Yeah, I guess they had a weird little test run already, even though it ended up being canceled, but everything was pretty much in place. So, uh, yeah, if there's anything like that, they, they already had a chance to iron it out just over a year ago. Yeah, and the staff at CN Center, of course, know how to convert CN Center into a curling rig very quickly now, probably. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, Yeah, no, it, it definitely is one of those things where extremely unfortunate, but hopefully if it does come back in 2022, it makes it go a little smoother. Yeah. And now, one other quick thing I want to mention, we've mentioned it a couple of times already, I think, um, the uh, Information Center. Yeah. Is open now on First Avenue. Yeah. So we, we opened up on June 15th, kind mm-hmm. of aligning with those w- latest restrictions yeah. being lifted. We're kind of viewing it as um, if provincial travel is open, then we can be there to service those travelers. Um, it is slow right now, um, and but we expect it to pick up a little bit this summer um, with mm-hmm. those people kind of trickling in, looking for those outdoor activities. Yeah. So now it is still it's probably still under the COVID restrictions that it had been, right? We're only a limited number of people in at any one time. There's probably fewer pamphlets and everything available, but all the information, and this leads me right into the next point, all the information people need is probably on the website. And what is the website? Yeah, so tourismpg.com um, is our website. And, and you're correct in, in that assumption. I think that that's one of those things where we're looking at minimizing all these contacts. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are shifting to digital right now. So yeah. we're, we're trying to offer all those visitor services that we have in person, also offer them online now. Okay. Colin Carson, currently Director of Sport Tourism for Tourism PG. And in just over a week, about to become the CEO Thank you very much for coming in this morning. Thanks so much, Alan. Okay. That'll do it for today's show. We'll be back tomorrow after 9. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. Owned and operated by the Prince George Community Radio Society, you're listening to CFIS. FM Prince George, a not-for-profit community radio station broadcasting with 500 watts of power at 